I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome to Heroes 3, the bioclip podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. And this week, we are continuing our look at Godzilla with 1962's King Kong vs. Godzilla, directed yeah. by Ishiro Honda, um, and featuring all of our uh, behind-the-scenes people from, or most of our behind-the-scenes people from the first one. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, our... Serizawa, our guy from played Serizawa in the first one. Which, that was that was that was fun to see him be like, oh yeah, I guess that wasn't that long ago. After oh, I love to hear you say that because that's that's one of the things as you go through these films, uh, he shows up a lot, <laughs> and you're like, wait, oh, oh, oh. him specifically, that's yeah, cool. the actor. Um, you know, there's a pool of Toho actors that uh, you'd see Akihiko Hirata is yeah. the actor, by the way. And um like we were talking about uh, Takashi Shimura. Like he he'll show up in a lot of these films too. And uh yeah, it's really, really fun. Um some of the actors that we see in this movie would go on to be known to be in a lot of Toho films too. But um yeah, you mentioned Ishiro Honda and we talked a lot about him. Um this film comes out in nineteen sixty two, so you'll notice this is a kind of a, a long gap between the original film that we talked about last episode. Um, after that, we have Godzilla Raids again, which was followed up very quickly from the first film. It was such a success that they wanted to uh, do it again, right? And um, the reason that I'm skipping this is uh, because I feel like it's kind of it, it's kind of retreading, not not even retreading, but they're giving you Godzilla, but it's kind of taking away all of the important ideas from that first movie. You see Godzilla fight another monster, Angiras, who is kind of one of his iconic... I guess he starts off as like something that he like fights against, but you'll see Angiras show up again as kind of like an ally. The reason that I feel like that one movie is kind of lacking is just like it doesn't have a, a lot of the meat and a lot of the excitement from gotcha. the first film. And, and Honda and didn't direct that one, right? Yeah, that's also the case. And that's not necessarily the reason why. I'm not choosing that. But here, what I think is so important about King Kong versus Godzilla, one, it's like a huge thing. Like even, you know, even still, right. we're we're seeing like these this two is like big the names. first IP crossover before yeah. we use yeah. either of those yeah, words long. in that way. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, right. long before um I I guess the universal stuff probably would have been happening around this time too, but long before the Avengers or Mm -hmm. anything like that. Yeah. And and universal is important too, because universal would go on to release this film in the U S but, um, I think, yeah, this movie is so important because it really solidifies the, the Showa era template and not just that, but just Kaiju films in general, we have two huge beasts that are going to fight each other. And, uh, it's not just that, but the way they handle like the character play in this movie is so yeah, important to where so like these types of films would go. Um, yeah, you get a little pool of 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 heroes basically, and they're threading their way through this plot. It's you know it's a situation where you have the plot idea of how are we going to get these two guys to fight each other, but you also have the kind of what are the people doing to kind of dance around where where that it goes and um i think it's just incredibly uh iconic here how they handle that and um the other reason 
why I wanted to do this is because we definitely, and we haven't even gotten to the movie yet, but we definitely notice a change in tone. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yep. That's kind of an interesting point too, where uh, we're seeing Godzilla uh, that we handled these serious issues in the last episode. Now we're gearing him more towards a kind of family oriented situation. But um, the thing that I think is really important about this film is that, and at least for the Japanese original version, um, there's still something to say here. I think Ishiro Honda uses this really big, goofy idea, and he also kind of injects almost like a satire. And you could almost call this film a comedy. And, yeah, um, it, it, it really does feel like a... It, it's funny. It feels like a movie that would have been made like maybe another decade after mm. Yeah. This actually came out like it feels like a movie that someone would have made after watching a bunch of monsters like kaiju movies and being like, what if there's real life kaiju that are, you know, actually causing serious damage, but all they care about is getting TV ratings. <laughs> like, yeah, that sounds like a, a satire you would see in like the 70s or 80s. I mean, it's even timely. It's, you could I, I feel like a big giant. Mo- oh, OK. We also have just recently gotten a new King Kong versus Godzilla, right? Yeah, and I know um, nothing about it. Except that's OK. That it exists. So. Well, the, the thing that I can say about this film compared to the new, the legendary one is, you know, if you if you think about it, it's like, oh, it's like a wrestling match. King Kong is fighting Godzilla. But I think that the original film has much more to say about humanity and about <laughs> like, I don't know, it's like a, almost a subversive thing where it's like, yeah, yeah, the people behind this are what create this problem. The new movie it's just a big, huge, expensive slugfest. And uh, they, it, it, they're they definitely not looking back at what this film was to inform what they made. And and that's fine, too, because we get all these different flavors of Godzilla. But I think if you're being critical and you're kind of looking for these layers, you're not going to find anything in a new movie like that. But it's really cool to see something from 1962 address these issues in a time where um, Ishiro Honda is making a film and we're also seeing like television and advertising become more of a prominent thing in popular culture. And uh, he wants to kind of have a little take on that. And he uses King Kong versus Godzilla to basically explain that it's so beautiful to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. This guy, I've have very limited outside experience to uh, Godzilla movies this is how I kind of imagined most of them were more like. I imagine most of them were more like this, where it's like big goofy monsters, people trying to figure out how to defeat them, and yeah. you know, it, it being pretty pretty silly. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, the original Gojira is actually pretty serious and like a, you know a very clear metaphor and you know kind of national catharsis for nuclear bombs. Yeah. But this one is, it, it is a little more to, cause that's, we, we mentioned that the, uh, the universal, uh, us cut of it basically does make it just big monster fight. Yeah. The movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but even the Japanese original is a lot more of a, you know, we got big monsters. We're going to fight them. Yeah. Uh, more right. than just, you know, more than a deeper 
uh, meaning. Yeah, I definitely feel that way. And yeah, I'm not I'm not saying it's like some deep art or like some high. No, but there's thing, a little but... more to um, there's more of a point to it than just yeah. watch me smash my action figures together. <laughs> yep. No, yeah, com- completely. Honestly, I was for whatever reason, I was expecting that after the original film that the Toho Godzilla films just like took a steep turn towards like swiftly made kind of cash ins. And I was like super surprised and impressed with like what an original story they've constructed for this. And I think um, it has so many of the same strengths from the original film in terms of just like focusing on um, these relatable, normal people. Yet it's not just kind of a facsimile of the formula for the original film. Like, um, I don't know. And also what a great time capsule to be in just like 1960s mm. office entertainment culture oh, in Japan. It's just so delicious and great. It looks so good. Um, H- HD stuff from the 60s is few and far between, but oh whenever you God. see it, ooh, it looks so good. <laughs> Dude, and don't get me started when... Um, like when we're in the submarine with like the English speakers and you get the gorgeous Japanese subtitles over these like really punchy, yeah. like Marvel comics, camera frame shots. Oh yeah. Dude, it looks so good. Yeah. yeah Cause they're so like, they're, great. they're, uh, they're vertical and on the sides and it's just, it looks so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It looks, mm-hmm. looks amazing. And it helps to rescue this, you know, the kind of thing we see all the <laughs> yeah, time, our, like our, just this expat. White actors. Yeah. yeah. Um, white actors that, <laughs> Maybe don't have a lot of magnetism or whatever. Captain, water temperature 18 degrees centigrade. 18 degrees? It can't be. There can't be a warm current running in the Arctic Sea. Check that temperature. Yes, sir. Captain, I see a strange light behind an iceberg. Straight ahead. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I was super impressed by uh, the film Honda's constructed to kind of get this vehicle going. Um, but I, I think I have similar feelings to like what we're talking about when it comes to the actual monsters um, and... I mean, this is sacrilege, but it's like I, I'm actually less into that than the surrounding movie. But probably also because it's like just that, I don't know, that incredible just like cinema time capsule quality of of what's here is just really special. Um, and that's not to knock any of the amazing, um, you know, set pieces and everything like that. But yeah, I, I guess I found like maybe the it's like two different sensibilities that are starting to maybe pull apart from each other a little bit. Mm, um, I like which that. Which is kind of like, there's kind of the proto Spielberg, um, uh, group of mortal heroes that are, you know, very much like your next door neighbor or whatever. And then peppered with some crazy, colorful humans, uh, really up against some crazy force of nature. Um, and uh, I don't know, I was just excited to see that just how much groundedness there is and yet also how much freshness. It's like they're, it's a really inspired choice to kind of focus on these ad execs and just an entirely different kind of set of set of people. Yeah, it's great. Also, and I know we'll, we'll get into it a lot, but it's, it's like once we get to certain locales, it's, you know, your modern, your ride on the film as a modern viewer might get a little bump bumpy and stuff, but it's, it's um, a very, yeah, yeah, it, it's a very important like part of the movie is like these problematic things. Not, you know, we're looking back on something that's like, Whoa, no, you can't do that. But I also feel like we've talked about a lot of problematic stuff on the show 
And I I think it's we don't want to promote these things, but at the same time, <laughs> we can definitely talk about them because I think I think it's in Mothra that's right before this. Well, you you also have an instance of traveling to an island and there's like a sense of exoticism and um you know the choice is made to handle that in a very wrong way and that's what we see here in the movie too but um yeah and we kind of hinted at it at the end of the last episode but i think it's i think it's really helpful to not just assume the particular american judgments that that we have around uh some of these approaches and behaviors and that's not to say that they're good, but yeah. if they're bad, they're maybe uniquely bad in a different <laughs> kind of like cultural yeah. context or lens. Yeah, it's it's more of a it, that's I think I said before it's it's more of a place of ignorance than malice. Yeah, yeah totally. whenever the whenever the you know all the Japanese actors are you know in brown face with the wooly wigs, then it's. It's more like, well, we're just, this is what the natives look like. So we're going to just have our, our people dress up like that. Yeah. yeah. And also of, it's like. Instead of looking into like, you know, the, the history of that kind of trope and its problematicness. Because actually, um, sorry, we're driving right into it now. But yeah, no, um, I also, between the last episode and this one, I watched the original King Kong. Um, oh, which yeah. Which I've never seen before. Yeah. Um, and that movie also is super duper racist. Mm-hmm. Um um, it's also from 1933, so you know you gotta keep that in mind. Yeah, but uh, it it features them going to an island full of quote unquote savages. Um, and but the thing is, the savages quote unquote in that movie are played by black actors. That doesn't mean that it's okay though. Right, right. <laughs> like that's the the issues with it are deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, totally. I mean, the other thing too is. Um, like thinking about what we were just saying saying a few minutes ago about these the white expats and um what you come to expect from from a lot of those performances um mm-hmm. but it's also those are the folks on hand i mean we've joked before it's like you, you just go like to the hilton yeah. and try to pull some yep. like white visitors to get in your movie and the truth is 1960s japan very few dark-skinned folks in that in yeah. that country yeah um and so it, there's these different kinds of contexts and i uh, i think when in america we have a swift uh response to something like blackface there are actually a lot of details that feed up into that and a really key detail is the tradition of that in minstrel shows and what that actual practice represented and what that the guilt that comes with that practice. So it's like, yeah, so we don't uh, we don't condemn blackface purely just because of the tone of makeup on an actor's face. That is a part yeah, of it. A, but there's, there's also this other historical stuff end. to it. Yeah. And, and in America, too, um, that idea of having a white actor when this is a country that has a more diverse population <laughs> yeah. that has its own kind of impact that probably isn't totally equivalent to, you know, Japan in the 1960s. But again, it's like none of those things make it good, but they do make it different. And yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's actually, or sorry, we keep diving into it. What's also interesting with it for me is you were talking about how there's more to it than just like, there's the cultural context and stuff. And that's obviously I'm not sure if they would even try this today, but that's how uh, Tropic Thunder gets away with it. 
um, because obviously Robert Downey Jr. does blackface in it, but it's like the point of it. Well, is and it goes like head Holly- first. Hollywood, like, yeah. yeah, it's saying that Hollywood would rather get a white actor and praise them for being so good at acting that they go that deep into it instead right. of actually just casting a black person, which is you know kind of what the black actors in the movies say to him. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, which that's that, that's that there's there's so much more to it than just that but that's and obviously we're not the best people to talk about that but <laughs> yeah um, I, I i think this is a good point for us to talk about the origins of this film because uh mm-hmm. we've got two huge characters here and at, at the time honestly godzilla wasn't I mean, the first film was incredibly popular, but I think when it comes to popularity standings on the world stage, King Kong was definitely on top. And um, in order to get something like this together, you're going to have to have people talking to each other. So uh, the origins for this film go back to Willis O'Brien, who I talked about on our last episode. And it's actually a really interesting thing, and it's pretty tragic in some ways, but... um, here we are. So Willis O'Brien in 1958, he wrote a script for like a, a sequel to the original King Kong. And it was originally called like King Kong versus the Ginkgo. And uh, basically it was like King Kong versus Frankenstein. But he was worried that he wouldn't be able to use the Frankenstein. And um, so he called it the Ginkgo. And he actually brought it to RKO Pictures. RKO then put him in touch with a man named John Beck, who was a producer. And if you're watching the American version of the film, which we can talk about that as I'm talking about the origins here, he's like one of the first names you see on the credits for that movie. And Mm -hmm. um, uh, so John Beck actually took what he, what, what Willis had wrote and took it to a man named George Yates to rewrite it. So then it turned into a product called King Kong versus Prometheus. And it was kind of mm. changing away from Frankenstein to avoid copyrights again. But um, uh, it's it's kind of relating it to the original Frankenstein novel title, which was Frankenstein, semicolon, or the modern Prometheus. Oh, um, right. Yeah, so um, the cost of stop motion really was keeping this project from getting legs. Uh, but John Beck was able to secure a deal with Toho. So uh, once Toho got it, they basically like tossed out Frankenstein and um, <laughs> then they just made it a Godzilla versus Kong situation. So actually Toho ended up paying like $220,000 to license King Kong for, I think a, about five years or something like that. Oh, so they wow. would go, yeah, they, they do this film and then there's a film called King Kong escapes. And, um, but uh, yeah, that's so that's how the production started with this. But um, the 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 real sad part of it is that once John Beck got this in his hands, he didn't really communicate to Willis O'Brien that this was happening. So actually, Willis O'Brien didn't find out about the film until like after it was released in Japan. <laughs> he, he got no oh, crediting man. for it. Hey guys, is no, it too late to, to give my notes or anything? Yeah, no compensation. And um, actually, like around this time, he passed away. So um, uh, he his whole life is kind of fraught with 
tragic events and that's like a whole kind of almost an episode unto itself but basically he was like a huge talent and, and the na- and the insensitive natives we talked about earlier they're all named willis o'brien which is really oh. weird <laughs> <Yeah>. super, super <laughs> right right just really rubbing it in <laughs> but i think if, if you don't know about the story i would say look it up and just like be like damn I, at the very least Think about this man and uh, his contributions, not just to Dude, like sure. King Kong, but like just to special effects in film. And like I said in the last episode, Subaraya being so inspired by the original King Kong. Now we have a situation here where he is working on a film with this hero that he saw and inspired him to take a different path in filmmaking. So I have to imagine that if any of the crew on the Japanese side of things understood what was happening, they would for sure want to bring him into get sure. production or something. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been like that. Well, these things happen all the time in like a larger organization where it's not always clear who knows what. And, um, or sometimes people are flat out, misled um oh yeah yeah yeah, we're working with hollywood on this one you know yeah it definitely sounds like john beck was kind of like having his like his side hustle yeah because he would end up making like two hundred thousand dollars when he like would i think he was the guy that licensed it to universal so he got like the rights to like the release of the film in like certain markets like united states and uk and stuff Mm. and um yeah so it sounds like he kind of really came out ahead and the other name that's tied to the original King Kong, uh, Marion C. Cooper, even he had like this whole long struggle about who has the rights. And they were like Marion and Willis O'Brien thought they had the rights, but RKO's like, no, we have the rights. And that would go on way out until like the 80s, I think. Well, there's so, an incredible story that um, intersects with Nintendo. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard about this, where um, so. Once the once Donkey Kong became this huge smash arcade hit, Universal reached out to Nintendo and was like, "Hey, not so fast! Like, oh. this is clearly copyright infringement. We don't think this is, you know, playful fair use winking or whatever." Whoa! And it was like, well, yeah, filed like an actual lawsuit. Nintendo of America, um, I can't remember the law firm that they that they reached out to, but it ended up being <laughs> uh, ended up being the perfect fit um, because this the legal team did a whole bunch of digging into all of like Universal's contracts and like going back into the origins of the film, and uh, what they were able to present at trial is like actually Universal <laughs> does not own the copyright yeah. to Game Kong. <laughs> Isn't it um, crazy? Yeah. And so I think subsequently that um, Universal got their got their ducks in a row and cut a bunch of large checks from what I understand. But uh, yeah, it's a really, really kind of exciting story. Yeah. So um, so John Beck, like I said, he he got the, the rights, you know, he basically got this this all taken care of. And um, when he saw like the original cut of the Japanese version he like didn't like it at all. Like he wanted to make all these changes. And I think there's like a story about him, like seeing a screener of it with like people from Warner brothers. And, um, uh, after that he wanted to just cut the movie up. So that's what they ended up doing. So the U S version and the Japanese version are very different. In some ways it's more of a severe 
change than what we were talking about with Godzilla King of the Monsters. They add all these like newsroom scenes and they basically take all of that commentary that Ishiro Honda had about uh, this advertisement stuff and the pharmaceuticals like that's not an important part of the U.S. version at all and also the score so I think and I, I know we've mentioned this on episodes in the past but um, I think this is probably my favorite Ishiro Dude, Honda score, score. Just, oh yeah. man oh, yeah, it's, yeah it's just amazing yeah, yeah the music is really good in this one <laughs> Yeah, it's beautiful. And um and it's Ifkube again, right? Yes. So, um the American version, uh they basically gutted most of the score, like 99% of the score is new drops and it's all pulled from like Universal's library. So you're getting music from the Creature from the Black Lagoon and I think like yeah, a, a Frankenstein movie and stuff like there's all of that stuff in here and the only thing that lasts is like the kind of the tribal chant for for King Kong, like when they get to the island. So that's that's really unfortunate. And to tie it back to what we were talking about, about like problematic things, John Beck basically didn't like the original score because he didn't think it was like Western enough. So he, <laughs> he, he wanted to change that up. But then when you hear the the U.S. version, there's like scenes in Japan that honestly sound like really like stereotypical yeah totally. <laughs> like just kind of like scoring you you kind of imagine a stereotypical thing from the 60s about japan would sound and that's like oh man come on like that's you didn't think it was western enough but then you throw this in here so i don't know it's there's not a lot of insight into this u.s version of the movie but similar to the original film it was basically the only version that everybody knew for a really, really long time. And um, we've got both versions on the Criterion set. So um, the the main version on disc, on the like the features disc, is uh, the U.S. version, and the Japanese version is basically a supplemental feature and the bonuses. And then, uh, really quick, because we've been going into the history about this a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, what happened here is just after this original film was released, I think, um, yeah, I don't actually know the year, but maybe it was like maybe later 60s. They have these children's festivals in Japan where they would do double features and they would re-edit a lot of these films to fit into a double feature format. And what happened with King Kong vs. Godzilla is that Ishiro Honda actually cut up the negative to make a shorter cut of this for the festival. What ended up, what ended up happening though is that there wasn't a true like original release of that for a really long time. So when you would see uh, the Japanese cut for so long, it it would incorporate kind of other footage from different versions to kind of reconstruct the long cut. And huh. um, yeah, it wasn't really until the last handful of years that Toho found uh, like a thirty five millimeter print and made a four K 
remaster and it looks beautiful and actually that's what so good. we used Dude. for this episode and you can watch it right now if you go to the internet archive because somebody just uploaded it there not only did they Some upload hero. it yeah, yeah, but you can download a subtitled version, which I believe uses the Criterion subs for it. Yeah, dude, and this this should be the movie playing on silent in the background yeah. of your party. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's dude, it's it is beautiful. it's a fun one to look at. Like you really you really can just kind of jump anywhere into it, and it's just some cool, you know, uh, some amazing colorful shot. Mm-hmm. And that that there's just thing about that 60s like 60s stuff in hd that just looks so good yeah and this is the first time that godzilla and king kong are in color oh yeah this film was also shot in the toho scope which i think uh was first used in the mysterians which was a handful of years before this 1957 and then uh yeah if you watch this movie now just dang looks really good but the thing that i think is hilarious is that <laughs> that 4K remaster was released before the Criterion set, but Toho was just holding on to it so tightly. They're like, nah, we're not going to give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I, I mean, Japanese companies holding on to their stuff. Like, I mean, we, we've talked about Nintendo a little bit here, but yeah, we <laughs> got plenty of experience with Japan being like, no, you can't have it. Yeah, you know, no, one you of these deals. And, um, it's too important. Yeah. So that. That 4K remaster was actually like shown on TV, but I don't think it's been like released, released like in theaters or over here. So it's crazy that uh, we have it and it's readily available. But I, mm-hmm. I think that pretty much covers. I think we're half an hour in. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> that pretty much covers everything. See I mean, you next we can, time, guys. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. um, Ishiro Honda. Like I said, there's a gap here. Godzilla was like 54, and uh, this is 62. And in that time, not only was he doing like sci-fi movies, he was also doing like kind of like family dramas and these kind of little things like that kind of call to some of his like earlier works. Pretty much after the success of King Kong versus Godzilla, he was really focusing more on like sci-fi stuff. But there's some really good stuff in between. Like I mentioned the Mysterians and I mentioned Rodan last episode. That's like right after Godzilla. I think it's 56 there's also Mothra in 61. I also mentioned that. Gorath. So, like, Mysterians, Battle in Outer Space, and Gorath are these kind of, like, human, like, sci-fi drama. I think Gorath is, like, there's a meteor coming to Earth, and everybody's, like, having this, like, existential thing. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, it's really cool to see uh, him return to Godzilla. And, I mean, it's kind of a conflicted thing, too, because... He really wanted to do this movie, but there was also pressure from the studio to make it a family movie. Oh, I had a really good quote. Where the hell was it? This is what he says. This is also from that Ishiro Honda um, book. That's that's amazing. To me, what happened was not acceptable, Honda said. Personally, I didn't want to do it, but the company demanded it. When you have to do it, then you have to do it. I did the best I could with it, and Mr. Subaraya did his best as well. It was about that time that Godzilla movies started to move towards a younger audience. But the fact that they decided to make Godzilla act like a human, it was not a good decision. This showed off the fact that it was a man in a suit. Bad idea. (laughs) So you can see this like kind of conflict of the artist and the company. But I mean, in the end, we had like an incredibly successful movie. I think it was like the most successful Japanese release like ever there are stories about people waiting for hours just to like see the movie wow yeah it's really exciting but um 
yeah, I, I think we've covered enough. <laughs> yeah, I think we can do another, do another jump in. Not, not yeah. have a, uh, quite the full 45 minutes to get to the back of the VHS from last time. But Yeah, I'm really excited to do this one, though, because mm-hmm. I want to do it like, I don't know, like a wrestling promo or something, right? <laughs> That'd be actually, fun. yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> that Actually, be, before we get into it, I'm sorry. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. There was no, that other thing, too. So I'm also pulling from a couple of different books, and I should mention those right away, too. Mike, oh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, Mike, oh, let me borrow the official Godzilla compendium by J.D. Lees and Mark Saracini. And it's such a cool book. It just kind of has like almost like a stats-based thing. Like um, they list all of Godzilla's like foes and all this stuff. And they have each little stats. The thing that I think is so funny, though, they have a, like a win-loss record <laughs> for each of the <laughs> monsters. But, yes, we're um, going to wrestling. Yeah, yeah, that's what it reminded me of. And um, there's a little blurb on the one, like the section for King Kong versus Godzilla, where it's like, it says, prior to the premiere of King Kong versus Godzilla in Japan, Toho Studios released side-by-side, quote, interviews with the two monsters as though they were sumo oh wrestlers God. preparing for a bout. Dude, that's so Love fun. It. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, the other thing that's amazing about this book is that all of the artwork is done by Art Adams who I've always loved since like my X-Men days. And he would go on to do a lot of Godzilla covers for like Dark Horse and stuff. So um, there's a really great God- uh, Godzilla. There's a whole like thing of like everybody's in there drawn by him. There's like a size chart matching them up. The other book I wanted to mention really quickly is it's a tome. It's like 500 pages. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's called The Lost Cuts Editing Japanese Monsters Volume 1 U.S. Edits. It's by John LeMay. And it's only oh. 20 bucks, and it's 500 plus pages. I'm flipping through it right now. <laughs> I was going to say, I can hear you flipping. Get, get, yeah. get that right on the, right on the here, Michael. Right? Yeah, here we go. And it, get some ASMR. It's just like a listing of all of the edits of the U.S. versions of these films. Oh yeah, it's, it's a gift. It's a gift. And the thing that's amazing about this man, John LeMay, is that this is one of like... I don't know, 30 different books covering different oh like subjects like this of, you know, Japanese film and Western films and like genre films and stuff. It's amazing. Uh, 20 bucks. You can't go wrong. If you're even remotely interested in this stuff, you need to check this out. <laughs> That's all I got. Dude, wow. <laughs> I won't talk so cool. for the rest of the episode. <laughs> all right. I mean, me and Marty stumbling around talking mm. about King Kong. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, well, let's take a look at the back of the VHS. Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Pacific Pharmaceuticals presents the battle to end all battles as two titans tussle. The king of the monsters, Godzilla, glows with anger as he stomps his way to Tokyo. Standing at 164 feet and weighing at 22,000 tons, this cranky kaiju has a mean tail whip and some searing atomic breath that can't be stopped. The eighth wonder of the world, King Kong, is ready to rumble. Hailing from Faroe Island, standing at 148 feet high and weighing in at 27,500 tons, this great demon god might seem like the underdog, but he has some shocking secrets up his sleeves. They're smashing their way to Japan, and fish will fly at Mount Fuji. Ishiro Honda and Iji Tsuburaya bring us the legendary battle. Will you win, Godzilla? Will you win, Kong? The battle of the century! versus Godzilla. The movie is not 
super duper complicated, like we've said with a few of the other ones. True. It because uh, it is it is kind of a race to to get to. How do we get King Kong? How do we get Godzilla? How do we get them together? <laughs> right. Um, and how do we get these guys the way to that, Tokyo? Yeah. But I love that the way that um, that Godzilla comes in is kind of feels like a more kind of traditional Godzilla thing where it's like, you know, he's yeah. a force of nature that kind of awakens from the earth. <laughs> and King Kong, it's literally a TV station heard about a, a rumor of something and wanted to <laughs> film it. And then took King Kong back with them. That's yeah. Oh, it's such a it's such a silly approach. And then, but, but yeah, this 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 movie is uh, it definitely it 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 races to getting to getting you to the monsters a little faster than the others. Yeah, in the first one. Yeah, there's fun. no real mystery to what's happening. It's basically yeah, where's this guy? Where's that guy? King Kong is a bit mysterious because, like you said, there's like a rumor about this mm-hmm. on an island. And uh, this pharmaceutical company wants ratings. The, you know, it's like back in the day when you yeah, it's, see like it's these, like, they're, like they're, they're, the pharmaceutical company like runs the TV station or yeah. is like the main sponsor or something. Right. right. So the um, yeah, honestly, it's funny. Like we're introduced to um, like the the head, like Mr. Taco. And he's Dude, like he's on so some great. like he's yeah, so funny, like, like th- Yuen Wa energy. Yes. Like, I was like gonna say that, yeah, Yunwa or like a Dean Sheck, like slime yeah, I was, ball. I was thinking he's he's a little Shecky, yeah. Oh, yeah, man, yeah. So fun, and um, he's basically like, I think this is hilarious too because he's looking at this news program and he's like, "This is boring. I can't believe like people watch this stuff. It's so boring." But <laughs> then to me, if you watch the U.S. version, they basically take that thing that he said was so boring and inject it throughout the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Kinda. <laughs> that's yeah. That's, hilarious. that's the really, that's the biggest difference between the original one and the U S one is that there's this like kind of uh, the thread of the movie instead of being this guy wants to get TV ratings. It's like the UN or something is trying yeah. to f- track down everything and, and deal with the Godzilla and King Kong situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's, it, it, it's even before I watched it before I watched the original Japanese version and I could tell pretty clearly where it was. It was not seamless. It's very obvious <laughs> where it was. It was put in. Yeah. They do oh, this man. thing where it's like almost like a sight gag they use to tie one of the, new scenes into the original footage and it's just like so obvious and pandering (laughs) man god the movie really struck me as though hondo was aiming for an american market um i kind of had the sense that like that was maybe even motivating why we're focusing on this ad agency it's like we're seeing a very westernized japan even as compared to the original film um and like you know when he goes home um it's, I mean, down to the apartment, the dress, like what's on the plate. They eat with knives and forks. Mm. Um, yeah, great point. And I'm guessing that, like, if they sent a screener, they must have, they must have been hoping or expecting. It's like, yeah, this is here's the screener for, you know, ultimate distribution over there. Um, but I, I don't know, which is such a shame. It's it sounds like it's swapped out with like a very obvious hack and slash job of mm-hmm. i don't know some things maybe don't change and this sound <laughs> this sounds eerily familiar um 
when thinking about the history of kind of dumb Hollywood producers and yep. um and their very poor taste. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's one good, of the, it's a good thing that all of those got sorted out in the sixties. Yeah. Never happened again. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I wanted to mention is that you mentioned how Godzilla is kind of this force of nature, and he basically erupts out of an iceberg. And um, what what that is is that that's like the finale of the last film, Godzilla raids again. Oh, cool. Yeah. So at the end of that film, they realize that you know they can't defeat Godzilla, but they can like bury him. And they basically end up burying him in an iceberg, and that's him bursting out of it. The thing that I think is cool to me, though, is this, you know, now when you see Godzilla, you see him with the, you know, the blue hue, and then his atomic breath is blue. But yeah. um, they they basically show you what the origin of that is, because you have some scientists on this, the Seahawk, the submarine, and they mentioned the Cherenkov light. And that's like in a nuclear reactor, there's like a blue glow. That's why Godzilla has that blue glow. It's tied to the radiation. And it's something that you yeah. kind of just assume. But I like that they directly addressed it in this film. Yeah, totally. Some, some Godzilla lore for you. <laughs> yeah, so um, shortly after the submarine scene, we're seeing some of our main, our main characters. Um, so we have Kenji Sahara, who plays Kazuo Fujita. Um, we'll see him. We have um, Tadao Takashima, who plays Osamu T Sakurai, and he's uh, one of the like the TV guys. So you're seeing um, uh, Yu Fujiki. He's like kind of like a drum. He's drumming. You know, he's like pinch hitting here. Yeah, yeah. They, they say I'm pinch hitting. Yeah, they use, they use a lot of hitting. yeah. They use a lot of baseball metaphors, which is always that's 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 one of my favorite kind of things that pops up in Japanese stuff because Japanese people really like baseball, so it's cool hearing them just say like baseball terms, just like we use baseball terms all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so, cool. Yeah, he says that he's gonna pinch hit for him, and later on they they say like a bunch of baseball stuff one after the other. Which is, yeah. which is fun yeah we'll and see. the drum kit looks awesome too yeah 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 the that boss um uh taco is played by ichiro arishima and um yeah i i love him and it, it is unfortunate too the u.s version does cut a lot of his material out so um they basically have a meeting to kind of like you were saying earlier marty we need to get more ratings so we, we need to find like a way to do this and there's this scientist that's talking about like the the situation he's he's come like from the ocean and he found this island and on this island they talk about like this demon god so he's like oh we gotta we gotta figure this out and uh yeah that's that's basically like the 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 three core members like shortly after that we see who I was I was saying before Kenji Sahara he's like a manufacturing guy <laughs> basically <laughs> and uh, yeah he like he invented this like incredible yeah. material that's like, like super fishing thin but stronger than kind of, yeah, yeah. stronger steel which is funny because whenever I saw it I was like uh, okay sure. And then it pays off later. I was like, okay, I, I guess. Yeah. I guess, like. Also, isn't that such a, like, I don't know, it's such an awesome feeling when you're watching, like, a very old piece of art and they're playing off, like, some incredible technology that will never, ever be made. <laughs> yeah. As though it's, like, mm -hmm. just around the corner. It's like, oh, I love that. <laughs> There's a, a, yeah, really funny shot of him, like, testing that string out on a balcony. Oh, dude, and, it's got to be gift. It's yeah, it, it's really good. He's just so happy. 
there's a really fun thing that uh, actually Joanna noticed it when we were watching, but there's a zoom out from that shot where he comes into the dining room and there's a reflection on the window and behind uh, the character sitting at the table you see like another head pop out. So this isn't a character in the scene and actually can kind of, I can almost picture like a little hat and um, I'm like, that actually might yeah. be Ishiro Honda like behind the yeah, camera. Yeah, I just the reflected camera. in the glass. Oh, no, yeah. that's, I actually, I just, I just, um, I have it on in the background. I just watched that and yeah, you can, you can very much see it because it's like you, you see him in the foreground and then you see another in the reflection you see him reflected but then you see this other little head kind of pop up before uh, it gets covered up yeah isn't it's, isn't that crazy it's so cool i, I love stuff like that and i don't movies. i don't know if it if it's him but ishiro honda kind of had this iconic look and mm -hmm. the the form that you kind of see is the hat that you'd see him wearing a lot so yeah i don't know man yeah also just want to call out um just how Honda's evolved as a filmmaker. So got this beautiful Toho scope and amazing color, but also just very dynamic camera. Um, and honestly, I think almost everything about it from like a cinematography blocking staging point of view is, is really next level. It's like, even when the camera is locked off, it's these very, again, to me, it's like 60s era Marvel comics, like mm. very punchy frames, but often even in like mundane settings, like here at the dinner table or earlier in the office, it's like the camera's pushing in on a dolly and it's really, yeah, just really dynamic. And um, I mean, it's, you, you can just, you can just feel the, uh, just how inspirational so many of these choices are like in our, in our films today. It's amazing. Yeah, it's great. So yeah, at this little uh, dinner, we we have Sakurai, who I had mentioned by, played by Tadao Takashima. Um, his sister is Miehama uh, Fumiko, and what you find out is that Fumiko and uh, uh, Kenji Sahara's character Fujita, they're an item, and that that's like another of like the kind of character drama that kind of pulls you through, like when Godzilla will show up or King Kong shows up, and um, I I think that that's that's something that we see in like not just monster movies, but in so many movies now that, you know, they give you this kind of personal relationship and it kind of increases the drama. You know, it's like then what you what you've got here is like more of a date movie, honestly. It's like, yeah, it gives you something to kind of hold on to. <laughs> yeah. So then Which, uh, that's I sorry, I'm going to keep because I'm going to have nowhere else to ever talk about it. That's an interesting <laughs> thing with uh, with the original King Kong is that. It is it is a laser focused movie. It is these people are like and actually it's it's not dissimilar to this actually instead of a TV station obviously because it's the 30s. It's a filmmaker yeah. that like wants to get these new and and weirder more interesting, you know, uh like kind of a national geographic kind of thing. Totally. totally. Um and he he goes to this one island where they worship this thing and then they find it capture it bring it back with them and then it goes horribly wrong yep um but it's it, which is funny that that's that's kind of similar to this in a way yeah they, um, yeah, they use totally. that up they do this this thing where they kind of take sorry all that also to say there's also a love interest in that um mm. which also leads to one of my favorite lines i've ever heard in an old movie which is where the guy says i guess i love you why jack 
You hate women. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it caught me by surprise. <laughs> yeah, if I'm remembering right, yeah, the the sale, the man, the love interest. He just like is like you're just a woman, or you you yeah. don't know what what you're doing. How'd you end up mm-hmm. on this boat? One of these deals, yeah. but yeah, then they end up being together, and that's like yeah, yeah, because yeah, that used to be an, like an old saying you'd hear like like twenties to forties. It's like he's a woman hater. Like there's yeah. a there's even a clip of uh, Walt Disney talking about the Seven Dwarfs, and he describes Grumpy that way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, we're we're jumped back and forth to the Seahawk. You know, the Seahawk is on this expedition, and there are all these scientists. And uh, eventually, they get to this iceberg, and like I said, they notice this radiation. And as they get closer, somehow they end up crashing into it. And uh, as they're uh, dealing with this kind of crisis, you hear this familiar Godzilla roar, and. Um, while they're jumping back and forth from that, we also see that Furue and Sakurai are making it to Faro Island. And uh, this is where we see our problematic figures. We've got a whole <laughs> slew of natives that, that uh, greet them. And there's like this kind of My clashing. favorite thing is the choice that it's like, um, we're, we're going to speak English. So you have these beautiful, thick Japanese it's, accents. That's really funny. Speaking English. Yeah. That, well, the, that the language they the speak brown is brown face paint like, that, like, yeah. doesn't blend with their yeah. neck and body face like, And it's so paint. inconsistent, because some people yeah. are just are just the actors with the, with the, like, tribal stuff on, and then yeah. some of them have this, like, kind of, kind of grayish kind of look to them. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, totally. It's very strange. <laughs> but you see them, they're all kind of milling this um, red, like, fruit. They're, like, grounding mm-hmm. it down into, like, juice, and they're traveling back and forth with baskets full of it. And um, in the U.S. version, they kind of, like, talk about that. Like, it's a, here's a this thing that we found on this island, and it jumps to um taco talking about it with the scientists but um yeah then everybody um all you know our our heroes show up and they have this <laughs> culture clash with them where uh we have like kind of like a a, a brown faced uh tour guide that's kind of serving yeah. as an interpreter and this is where we hear like yeah this is one of the things where i'm like ah oh, this is bad too because for a japanese audience who maybe isn't as familiar with English, this is going to sound foreign. So we'll just have them say like kind of gibberish and some English sprinkled in. It's like, yeah, damn, you guys should have thought about this a little more. (laughs) But I mean, it's another choice that really made me think they were aiming for like an American release of this. Yeah, that's (laughs) true. That's true. Um, The other thing is I mentioned earlier that, um, you know, Toho paid like $220,000 to, get the license for Kong. So they were originally going to do filming in like Sri Lanka, but instead because of the the cost for licensing, they had to do like sets for this. And they also filmed like the Island shots are from Izu Oshima. So um, it still has kind of a fun look. I mean, besides the problematic stuff we were talking about, but I, I like seeing the, the done up sets for stuff like this. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the sets, it is, it's a fun set. The costumes are fun. Yeah, it's totally. just problematic. Yeah, yeah. So, so then they, um, the makeup is not good though, because yeah. it is, if they were going for trying to look like, you know, uh, darker skinned islanders, it doesn't look very good for yeah. that. So there's a whole bit with them kind of appealing to the chief using a radio. So they're like, and oh my cigarettes. God. It's like, and then, yeah, there's a great bit where they do the song on the radio is like uh, so great though. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. great. It's great. Um, I think even the lyrics though are kind of problematic if I'm remembering right (laughs) but um yeah the other thing that I thought was pretty funny when I was taking my notes was everybody's like all the cigarettes get lit I'm like who lit the cigarettes you see all these tribal members (laughs) like sharing cigarettes and like there's like a kid they give a kid a cigarette which is hilarious <laughs> That's pretty funny yeah i love it that is that that scene does happen in the you see that scene in the english one too and and they they make some some of the du- i will say some of the dub lines in the american version are pretty funny yeah, um, yeah. i did i, I wrote awesome. a few of them now we'll get a few of them but this one there's they say something like you better not smoke it around home <laughs> yeah nice i think there's a bit uh at some point maybe it's a later bit when they're exploring one of the guys is talking about like the he has a problem with the corns on his feet or something in the dub mm-hmm. and that that's not in the american the japanese version at all but it's mm-hmm. i don't know it's kind of weird yeah um there is one one line particular i want to call it that happened earlier i think it's i think it's a i forgot who says it but at some point a person yells out i'm sick of godzilla <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, just, awesome. it's just too perfect of a, of a clip to not get so the the scene lands on kind of a tease of kong where they're um, all the natives are appealing and there's like a thunderstorm that starts and they're like, you know, our, our main two guys, Sakura and Furue are like skeptical, but then the thunder turns into more than thunder and then they're like, oh crap. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But then, um. That's a good dub line too, where he says. That thunder ain't thunder. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. And yeah. meanwhile, like Fujita is on this boat. He's like. I guess he's gonna like test the that that string that he wants. I forget, or they're they're tracking the Seahawk maybe, and um, so he's on his own little separate journey, and um, that's kind of like his arc right now. Mm-hmm. And this is whenever Godzilla breaks out of the iceberg. I love how I that see. looks. Honestly, it yeah, does look good. That's yeah. awesome. It's really fun for it being such a like high like like shot downwards where you think it'd just be like little. It'll take the scale away. There's something about it that still makes it work. Um, and oh. I, I I love that they kind of really zip you through that. Like, once he breaks out, he's, like, immediately, like, on land. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, It literally, it's instantly, you see him breaking out of the iceberg, cut to a bunch of little the little toy tanks coming it. out of the base to go yeah, start shooting at him. Mm-hmm. And we should also mention, too, that the Godzilla suit is quite different than the one we've seen in the last two Mm -hmm. movies. Um, Now, this is more towards like the more of that era, modern uh, Godzilla look. I still think his cranium's a little tight. He kind of looks like he he has almost like a cone head. Yeah, there's some trade-offs for sure. Yeah, Yeah, he doesn't look quite as doofy as King Kong. (laughs) We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But he is... He does look more like you're like from the side. He looks great when you see him head on. His head's a little like 
zips like tight like you said yeah overall i think yeah. it's a it's a cool suit and mm-hmm. i remember not liking it as much but it's grown on me over the years and i think um he's very mobile and i mean that helps for the fighting yeah, later totally. on <laughs> yeah but i mean i think that has like a trade-off too it's yeah on the one hand there are shots where it's great that um you know there's more flexibility in the costume but kind of like that quote from honda you shared earlier a uh, little bit of a little bit of flexibility goes a long way in kind of killing the illusion. It's right. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I can I can tell that the guy in there can move around a little better. Yep. And then uh, following uh, Godzilla's arrival <laughs> on land, uh, I love this. Uh, we have uh, Akihiro Hirata, like you mentioned earlier. He's playing mm-hmm. a character named Shosuke Shigesawa. He's like yeah. kind of like the brains here. Like he's kind of like there to answer questions about what godzilla's up to because yeah, like this any... is a great freaking walk and talk um, oh it's so cool very yeah, stylish cam- everybody yeah, looks super nice back yeah he looks he looks great yeah so mm-hmm. good also there was a just a textbook beautiful um hot off the presses like newspaper montage when they um reveal godzilla's back and that yeah one's, that's great too and that's and i love that because it's saying like godzilla's head towards japan and then we see taco in the in the <laughs> newsroom and the thing that he's mad about is godzilla's everywhere why can't we be everywhere yeah. <laughs> and he's such a physical actor his face yeah, contorts so in so such crazy ways he's literally like vibrating <laughs> in this scene mm-hmm. yeah totally <laughs> It's yeah, and that bow tie, so and yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and, and and as the I noted, as the scene goes on, he's shaking so much his hair is just like completely disheveled by the end of it. Oh, oh yeah, it's so funny, so good, so good. And then yeah, it jumps us back to Faro Island, and uh, we get a little more teases of of Kong. They're like exploring like the mountain now, and uh. We get more like thunder, and then there's like a bit with like a lizard, <laughs> and then yeah. Um, yeah, Sakurai like uses his gun, and then that triggers Kong's rage. You hear him yelling, mm-hmm. and you get like a the smallest tease of him. You see like one frame of his fur as mm-hmm. like a mountain starting to crumble. Yeah, and there again, it's like um, I just love seeing that amount of like Hitchcockian suspense. Um, yeah, I mean, you really get the sense like Honda is is still trying to just make a great film from start to finish and not just kind of um, cash in on the the craze of Godzilla as, as kind of simply as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back in the day um, when, I mean, I knew a little bit about these movies, there were a couple of things that I'd always hear about King Kong versus Godzilla. One was that there is two different endings one was a king kong wins ending and one was a godzilla wins ending um but the other story that i always heard was it has to do with the scene that's coming up here so it's nighttime in the village on faro island and a giant octopus attacks so uh, yeah. we have an interesting combination of effects here Dude, we've got yeah, like amazing like day for night footage of an octopus like attacking a miniature village and it kind of works kind of doesn't i think it's a pretty rough scene overall but um Mm -hmm. the thing that i wanted to say was that um subaraya was um obsessed with kind of doing like a octopus monster movie i think one of the earlier ideas for godzilla was a giant octopus 
and um he would go uh, i mean, it was like something he'd always have dre- he always dreamt of doing it and here we get that in a way so um this uses the like footage like i was saying but there's also some stop motion here which i think is really fun to see and like i said the compositing doesn't work that much <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's still yeah. kind of some of those shots though are really awesome i mean like i know we've got like a crazy mix of techniques here but yeah i, I, I think yeah, the, somehow for me some of them are landing better than than a lot of the suitmation sequences yeah but. Ooh, yeah suitmation we we actually haven't mentioned that phrase yet i don't think but that was like the the phrase people would use for for this rubber suit stuff but the other story that i always heard was that when they were filming this they used the octopus like for filming and then this like one of the stories was that they ended up eating the octopus at like (laughs) oh damn that was one of the things that i always heard and i looked that (laughs) up for this and i couldn't find like a direct source for that but it's still something fun to mention so i mean similar to a lot of the hong kong movies we talked about we're not getting on camera animal cruelty but this story leads you to believe that there was something that wouldn't get like you know, a modern yeah, Peter would not approve of that in a yeah, definitely <laughs> in our day and age. So that's kind of. But fun. now, uh, but now King Kong gets to make his big debut. Oh <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> he looks so dumb. <laughs> oh man, so oh this... King Kong looks so dumb. Oh, yeah. We had talked about it on our Discord chat about how oh. King Kong looks, and I, I had to mention something like because like RKO told them like, hey, you gotta if you're gonna do King Kong, he's gotta look different. And um, this is what they went with. So, <laughs> I'll say he's different. Yeah, <laughs> he looks very strange. He's got like this kind of reddish. He's kind of a ginger King Kong, right? Yeah, definitely like brownish red. Yep. And he's hair. got like kind of like scrunched head. He doesn't really have a neck. And it's a big he's... emphasis on like the pecs, which is <laughs> maybe not a great idea. It's um, like it's it, it's not what vulgar, a... but it has vulgar energy. <laughs> Yeah. Right. <laughs> He's, and yeah just it, the, it the almost, motion inside like the he, suit is yeah it looks like he had nipples at some point and they were like that's too much we have to take them off that's <laughs> right, what it looks right. like he's also um, got these arm extensions so his, his forearms look a little longer than you would expect somebody mm-hmm. in a suit to look like but what a lot of it really is just the suit acting. A lot of it is I like totally it's, the suit itself yeah. doesn't look great but a lot of it he you said in the last episode that uh, uh, I think it was Honda said to move like a machine or maybe mm-hmm. that was the, the yeah. SFX guy. But, um, and in this, he very much moves like a guy in a monkey suit. He, move, he uh, moves like Charlie Brown after like a hard day at school. It's like, there's like this kind of mopey <laughs> quality and he's just like never really ferocious. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, but it's also like, it kind of makes you, you love him a little bit. But Yeah, it's kind of um, charming in, in a way. So for yeah. for Joanna and I, our favorites are the tight shots on his head where they use kind of yes. like a puppet. Oh, totally. Yeah, those yeah, are so like a, funny. Yeah, there's really this funny. like yeah, I, I think here. So yeah, after he defeats this octopus, and then after that, he notices the faro juice, the red, the red juice, yeah. and yeah. he's like, "Hey, I'm it's gonna like get Shaw some Brothers of this." Red. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was. I was thinking. It looks like he's drinking Shaw Brothers blood. <laughs> but the shots are like this kind of puppet like Mm -hmm. kong like drinking they look hilarious and i love it (laughs) i do think when he lays down for his nap like those composite shots are are pretty darn cool yeah um Mm -hmm. 
with and like, I think the composite tribal villagers. Yeah. There's like the kind of larger composite of the tribal uh, warriors, like attacking the octopus. I think those look cool too. Um, yeah. So once yeah, once yeah. Kong here like <laughs> takes his drink, I, what you find out is that it puts him to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, you know, it's that red drink. Yep. And then and then I wrote in my notes after uh King Kong lays down, then the villagers start doing the cha cha slide. Yeah, they got a really <laughs> they start stylish doing this like dance. synchronized dance. Yeah, dude, the synchronizations yeah, yeah. stellar. It's very um but but yeah, that's they they all dance around and uh of course what are you gonna do with the sleeping King Kong? You <laughs> Tie him to a raft and ship him back to Japan. That's obviously. another like reach of that I love. Where it's like, oh, let's make a King Kong size raft. Okay, yeah, we can do that. They don't show that at all, but just like whatever. Um, uh, there's a little funny joke too that's in the Japanese version where, cause like their their boss is called Mister Taco. Taco in Japanese is octopus. So yeah. you get a moment ah, where nice. one of the guys is calling, oh, Taco's here. Like an octopus is here. And the yeah. other guy's like, Mr. Taco's here? So yeah. <laughs> that's kind of a funny thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And in whenever, and, but he actually does show up in this next scene because they make the, they make the giant King Kong raft. <laughs> um, they're back on a ship. Um, and then Miss Taco comes in pretty stylish. Yeah, dude um, flies in on a it, it would be stylish if he didn't slide down in the silliest way possible. <laughs> dude, uh, there's a yeah, really cool uh, And then you also though. have some like Hawaiian shirts. Um, yeah, they're wearing Hawaiian shirts. Buddies, and Mr. Taco yeah. comes in and he's wearing this like, you know, kind of like your, 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 you know, your think of safari kind of outfit with yeah, the hat for and sure. stuff. Um, <laughs> I was saying... Uh, Obviously, this look existed in other ways, but he reminded me of uh, from MXC Gila Douche. Oh uh, yeah, totally. That guy. It's yep. it's the same kind of look with with the the hat and everything and the glasses and stuff <laughs> and the mustache. There's That's some awesome. there's some Gila Douche energy to the dub of this too, man. Some, there is. There really these lines is. Are so goofy. <laughs> Very silly. Oh, there, King Kong. Um, but yeah, and they have they have TNT strapped to it, and this taco like leans on the TNT plunger, and <laughs> it's very it's very like silent movie kind of kind of gag. Oh, dude, totally. And it's also like this kind of cartoonish humor that I think would resonate with like what we're saying more kid friendly stuff. You've got like a Looney Tunes situation. But then there's straight up shooting at Kong. I <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> So we uh, we jump forward a little bit. We get to our first uh, encounter with Godzilla. Yeah, we've seen perfect. we've seen what King Kong can do, and now we're going to see what King, uh, what Godzilla can do. Um, and there's a there's like a train that's going along, and I think uh, what Fumiko, right? The one of the yeah, Fumiko. love interests. Yeah, yep. yeah, she's she's on the train. Oh man, um, she's have... got like the worst luck. <laughs> she does. Yeah. <laughs> um. But she uh she gets on or she's on the train and everyone else gets evacuated whenever they stop it because of Godzilla, um and they're able to get almost everyone onto buses and trucks. But there was a few people left behind, and of course she's one of them. Right. Yep. And the other thing too is that uh, Ifukube's score here. This is like the Godzilla theme. The yeah. Yeah, this is almost like trademark version. It's yeah, and w- yeah, when I was looking it up, this is the first time that this was used. 
So when you think oh, about wow. that, yeah, the oh, American cool. version takes that out. So um, the Americans weren't weren't seeing that, and I love that theme. It's just so weird. Oh, it's such a good theme, yeah. dude. Classic. Uh, the thought behind it, like how it's like, I don't know. I think about Street Fighter Two soundtrack like a lot, and there's some things where it's like, how did you come up with like Zangief's theme? Like what what's what's the thought here? And I think about <laughs> that with like or like the verses screen I mean, theme. I think it was because Yokoshima Mora traveled to Russia, studied in St. Petersburg. That's <laughs> yeah. um, true. Yeah. And just like, yeah, assimilated all that together. <laughs> but I always thought that about Godzilla too, like this weird arrangements of notes. Like, Dude, I it's guess so it, cool. Well, actually, um, I guess given the context today, I, I do think it probably is a little bit of a nod to like Max Steiner's famous music from the original King Kong, which is also like has this very declamatory, mm. you know, quarter note thing and kind of the little brass. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, not, you know, not the same, you know, not the same kind of musical expression or anything like that, but, um, well, I mean, thinking yeah, really about cool that, companion. yeah, like what you're saying, you know, okay. So I, I feel like the Japanese production was very excited to be doing a movie with King Kong in it. And I don't know if that's the case, but yeah, think about if Ifukube was also kind of excited in a way to do something maybe that he, I don't know how familiar he was with King Kong or Max Steiner's work, but I, I like I like you mentioning that. That's kind of a cool thing to think about, that he was kind of injecting his like inspiration from King Kong into what we would come to know as Godzilla's theme. Dude, totally. That's Man, I'm just awesome. get I'm just getting so upset at that producer's note of like not finding the score <laughs> Western. Yeah. And well, it's not I, just like the the, the kind of obvious reasons you'd be upset about it, but it's more like this is like a perfect score for its era. It's like, mm. a, it's a very international, like hip score for lack of a better word. And it, it's gotta be a case of more just like the producer is the one who's out of touch with like yeah. film music. No, that, that time. can't be it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, it's like, Oh, what needs to be there? It's like, Oh, pull out stuff from our vault from the thirties and forties. Yeah. It's like, that's so what then, the kids like now. Yeah. Well, I definitely mentioned that because it is like, yeah, I put John Beck, even though this is the way that we all became familiar with Godzilla vs. Kong, you kind of have to understand that that dude kind of was pulling some like shady stuff to get to do what he did. And that, I don't know, he's kind of a villain in a way. I mean, especially thinking about Willis O'Brien and how that all planned out. Yeah, dude. Totally. How it all panned out. But I mean, anyways, when we're talking about the movie here, um, one thing that we should mention is that um, Fumiko ended up on that train. She was going to Hokkaido because she thought that Fujita like died on a on a ship that sank. What she didn't know is that he got off on that ship off from that ship earlier. So when he makes it back into town, um, his neighbor, one of the neighbors tells him like oh she went to get you in hokkaido and then um he makes a trek to find her and it's like this desperate situation here where she's left on her own running from godzilla who's basically beelining right to her for some reason but um they have this kind of desperate romantic moment where they find each other and um yeah it's 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 really wild i i love godzilla just kind of 
stomping around. He's just hanging out like, oh, where should I go today? Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, my God, totally. it's Godzilla. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is that in the U.S. version, they say Hokkaido like three different ways. <laughs> they, they say <laughs> they Hokkaido so many times. Yeah. But then they'll talk to somebody else and he'll say Hokkaido. Right. And it's like, wait. Mm-hmm. He said it right. What's going on here? <laughs> the wildest mispronunciation in the American version is it's not a Japanese word, which is what makes it really wild. But at one point, a person says uh, reptile instead of reptile. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Roughly, this uh, particular form of reptile existed somewhere between 97 and 125 million years ago. And I was like, wait, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> I can see that. I mean, some people could. I don't know. That's like an like accent maybe, thing, right? Maybe it's an accent thing. I don't know. It was just we. I just it just came out of nowhere. Dude, that's interesting. I wonder if that wasn't kind of like people of a certain era will say robot. Yeah, robot. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if. Well, I was, oh, I what I was thinking that. was what I was it. thinking was I could see someone in like, like in you know in in rural Georgia, you know, <laughs> not far from where I live. Like in a, I, there's sometimes people you'll run into that have like a very old school southern accent gotcha, and sure. i maybe I, I could see one of them saying reptile nice oh man but, it's now we've got to all that's how we're saying it now right i mean yeah it's yeah too fun yeah godzilla is a giant reptile I'll, I'll do you one better it was something i forgot to mention last episode but um takashi shimura's character the in the king of the monsters version he says phenomenon he says it multiple times. Phenomen. Phen- I can't even say it wrong. Phenomenon. He says it like that. Oh, that's amazing. He says it a bunch of times. I'll grab it so we can throw it in here. But yeah. One answer could be that some rare phenomenon of nature allowed this breed of the Jurassic age to reproduce itself. I die phenomenon. laughing every time I hear that. He says it like five times in the movie. <laughs> phenomenon. Phenomenon. It's, it, it's hard. It. It's hard to say wrong. It's really hard. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, got, we got we have Godzilla. Yeah. He's he's making his way. He's in Hokkaido mm-hmm. now, and um, now we got to set up Hokiado. King Kong, right? Hokkaido. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so there's a commotion here. King Kong starting to wake up, and they're like, "We got to blow him up." No, we can't blow him up. We got to blow him up. Oh crap, he's getting out. So then they're like, "All right, we, we got to shoot at him." So they're shooting at the TNT. And the the raft blows up, but he's all right. And now, yeah. where is he going to end up? He gets out. Yeah, that's really um, fun. <laughs> I I mentioned it really quickly before, but I love they're like for this sequence, like the couple of scenes with the sequence. There's some really fun miniatures, and um, yeah. the miniatures of the ship have the little miniatures of the people on the deck. That's really <laughs> yeah, fun. it's a little little toy people. I'm, Which that's a that's a fun thing in the original uh King Kong as well is there's sometimes little clay people that the stop motion clay uh clay King Kong's yeah. holding. Yeah, uh, that's great. Um there's a whole sequence of like miniature like construction stuff happening after yeah, this because yeah. the military is basically making a big hole for Godzilla to fall into. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I love filling it. it with with gas and bombs. I yeah. think is what they say. And actually, I wanted to mention uh, Matthew, your buddies at the Toon Hounds. They just uh-huh. did an episode on um, uh, 
I was Jerry Anderson, yeah, like, Super Marionation on yeah. like Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet. Yeah, I was yeah. I was thinking about that a lot watching this. Yeah, it's a lot of this stuff feels. I think at one point I even said that they they called it they need to call them the, the Thunderbirds. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really fun, and I think there's a lot of relationships there too. Um, I know that the Thunderbirds are very popular in Japan, and all of that mm-hmm. miniature work is really informative too. Like and the even special this like effects. era of like film stock and the mm-hmm. just the color. Yeah, it's, a, it's also in the '60s, so yeah. so that that's um, pretty cool. That's I, I want to bring uh, that up. Yeah, shout out to shout out to Toon Hounds. I'm yeah, a fan fun. of them. Um, but uh, actually, speaking of of bringing it all back to everything, the reason I know about Thunderbirds is because of Nintendo, because I was a huge Star Fox fan, and oh, that was nice. a big influence on Star Fox. So it's oh, all, dude, it so all awesome. comes together. I loved yeah. all that promo, those images of the, like the the Star Fox crew, like the puppets yeah Man, yeah that was so so cool to me back in the day man if they ever if they ever make another star fox game then i would love it if that was yeah like, dude. The, the the graphical approach was to make it look like they're 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 puppets yep. oh, i would dude, love that that'd be amazing oh have you guys heard from like the giga leak or whatever the um like the raw mm-hmm. uncompressed um vo for for star fox yes i have heard that oh, it's weird sounding so gorgeous you've got an enemy on your tail oh, it's cool. real yeah. weird to hear it <laughs> yeah some of them are amazing but the like good luck. is like yeah it's just very clean and good luck yeah <laughs> and like totally normal it's, it's a little weird <laughs> that's awesome yeah. okay so we're an hour into the movie and now oh, finally yeah. we get king kong versus godzilla it's mm-hmm. almost like a little promo. <laughs> like yeah. it is kind of. Like, it really does look like Godzilla's cutting a promo. Like <laughs> he's making all these poses. Yeah, he's for sure. shooting. There's an amazing shot where Where's my Godzilla. Camera? Where's my camera? Yeah. <laughs> where Godzilla destroys a, a helicopter with his atomic breath, and then it cuts to King Kong, who does this like little. Yes. And I'm blinking with his eyes. That's like Joanna and I. That's like our favorite. I'm the cute one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's almost like this. You, you'd you almost picture question marks over his head while he's blinking like oh that. God. Yeah. It's really funny. But Godzilla's got the high ground here. And it's really kind of a. He a, a absolutely sweep. destroys King Kong. Yeah. There's no like, contest. Like so, whenever I saw this, I was like, wait, some, I, I thought it was a little try. more even yeah. <laughs> This is one of these things too. This is like a a, a schoolyard argument, right? Oh, yeah, who would win in a fight, sure. King Kong yeah, or Godzilla? Yeah, the Hulk or the Beast. Yeah, yeah. And um, I I also love that we're introduced to kind of rock throwing, <laughs> and it sounds really dumb. But as the Showa era films, but go it on, is really dumb. It is. It is. <laughs> but as a but in Showa, a fun way, good dumb. Yeah, yeah totally. The best one of dumb. Godzilla's like. I mean, he, obviously he has his tail swinging around and he's got the atomic breath, but I honestly feel like one of his other signature attacks is just throwing rocks. Dude, yeah. <laughs> it hey, gets it to some absurd degrees and the Showa era, but I, I think I, I love it. And you see some of this back and forth here. And these were some of the things that Honda was like, come on, man, we got to do this. All right, we got to do this. Um, right. But I love that we've got our um, our pharmaceutical crew kind of observing <laughs> behind the trees. And Taco has <sighs> like a personal investment in King Kong <laughs> yeah. doing well in this fight. It's so funny. 
Uh, and there's there's a great shot just before this where the military is trying to stop them because they're obviously in a you know a dangerous area, and um, it's like they have all this like kind of shoddy uh, camouflage on. Yeah, uh, yeah, they just kind of pop up out of the grass. But yeah, that's it's 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 very silly and uh, and again it's it's it has a little bit of satire. I feel like it's like just a couple notches away from being like really like biting satire of sure, media, sure. but it's just it's just very silly and makes for a fun little little extra bit to it. Yep. Yeah, totally. The next kind of I guess it's kind of a callback to the original Godzilla is in this operation one of the plans that the military has is to electrify uh you know high voltage maybe that will like take out these guys and um mm-hmm. yeah we we see this whole like hole in the ground situation too <laughs> so it's like really funny like godzilla notices the electric uh, like wires and he's like oh i don't i don't know if i want to deal with that so then they like kind of cordon him off with like fire and um the 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 fire leads him to like a big old pit so they he falls in a pit and then they blow the pit up <laughs> yeah never est- underestimate the power of a big pit on fire but you also <laughs> see like haru nakajima in the godzilla outfit straight up fall down into a hole which is yeah, yeah, crazy yeah. to think about yeah. <laughs> yeah how do you talk him into that yeah. stuff oh, there's some crazy stuff with these guys in these suits shoichi hirose i believe is the name of the suit actor for king kong and um okay. he's um he would be like king Ghidorah. and i'm sure he was a nice guy we, we, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i think he was but, probably really sweet but there's some kind of crazy crazy stuff you see when they're fighting each other that i was like wait what when i found out what's going on i was like no way but anyways you know, we're not there yet godzilla climbs out of a hole because that's not gonna work right and there yeah. i love right. i always love the scenes in these films where like a general gets a phone call and he's either like really upset or really shocked and it's like dude come on you know that's not gonna work <laughs> he's like wait what you're telling me the landmines didn't work or you know it's like and then yeah. he's like looks at the people around him like he has to relay that message right those scenes and actually honestly like this movie is kind of solidifying that too in a way <laughs> oh dude totally but i i love it it, it cracks me up yeah. every time so godzilla is deterred by the electric fence but king kong runs into it and he oh, starts man. munching down on yep. the power lines <laughs> which they in the in the u.s one they don't really explain that at all they're right. kind of just like oh yeah he just goes through it it's fine oh he's stronger now and in this they're very much like oh right. electricity makes him more powerful yeah um, which part of me i don't know if this is confirmed but I, I think that's that's probably a holdover from it being a frankenstein movie oh i love that oh, yeah because that's great like you know electricity is what gives the monster life so yeah I could see that being like, eh, just keep it for King Kong. Why not? Matthew, that's perfect, dude. I love it. That's so cool. <laughs> that's awesome. I might have stolen that from Spivzy, the, the oh, co-host of Toon Hounds. Because he, he, he really likes King Kong versus Godzilla. That's so, cool, though. I love it. I love um, it. But it's like, oh, yeah, on his isolated island, there's just tons of electrical generators. <laughs> I guess there is there is never electricity for him to find out. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's think about I mean, I mentioned Street Fighter 2 already, but let's think about a beast in Street Fighter 2 that has electricity. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I 
the funniest you part this isn't this isn't gonna be the last time that i that blanca gets mentioned in this. oh, oh good. i love it i love it so yeah. so that's yeah that's really cool and um yeah so there's also another tight shot like you were saying of of kong munching on those lines and it's that puppet head oh, <laughs> oh it's so me. good so good it's so good <laughs> these guys are still on the move though and eventually we're gonna get into the city and some stuff's gonna happen so now we get a little bit of a segment of like kind of riffing on king kong and i i love when they introduce king kong to like the miniature city it's like totally like you're saying it's just the dude in a suit now and he <laughs> straight up forearm smashes a building like he stops next to it and it's about at shoulder height he reaches his arm up and just pounds it down and it's like yeah. you, this is just a person in a suit Man, Come on. i'll bet i'll bet you know uh, the hours are probably tough the suits are probably hot but i'll bet yeah. it was very cathartic to just destroy a building <laughs> oh, yeah. as a big monkey hell yeah man um, and again, we have a situation where Fumiko on the run is, ends up in the exact worst yep. spot. And she needs, she, she needs to just buy a car. Yeah. <laughs> Trains aren't working out for yeah. her. She ends up in the clutches of Kong, and that's the driving mm-hmm. force for this whole segment. You've got the um, really course, great you, manager you have to set. Have a, yeah. You have to have the, the damsel in it. And, yeah, and it's sure. cool because Fumiko even does, or the, the actress of Fumiko does a very similar motions to the the woman like from the, the original yeah. King Kong. Yeah, Fei oh, Ray. So, yeah. um, which is, it's cool. It's, it's always nice to see like it is, you know, they know exactly what they're doing. And, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of nicely Although, established earlier that yeah. the fact that like Godzilla also has this thing for her. Um yeah. I don't know. Somehow, just like energetically, it feels feels kind of right. It's a, it's a very miss miss. Uh, the sides are very uneven on the love triangle. <laughs> right. I like that uh, take but- though. It'd be funny if there was. Yeah, if that was the driving force that they both fell for Fumiko and they're fighting mm-hmm. over her. That's that's pretty funny. Now that that'd be a great alternate cut. Yep. <laughs> that's that's also brings up something that um, the. King Kong's a lot bigger in this than he is in Dude, the RKO yeah. original one. Yep. Because um, in the original one, he's like, oh, hang on, I think I wrote it down. He's like, like oh, we get stats. Feet. He 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 kind of he kind of varies in size throughout the movie. Nice. Because like people people compared him to like the height of the of the Empire State Building, of course. And he's I think he's like forty feet or something like that. Um, and in this movie, he's like 130 feet tall. Oh, yeah. So yeah, because if you picture the classic like final sequence where he's climbing mm-hmm. the Empire State, it's like that's a good sense of scale. And but yeah, this guy would be like I don't know feet to shoulders Empire State. So with yeah. this mm-hmm. new uh, Godzilla versus Kong, it was the same thing. Where in like Skull Island, he was of a certain size. He was still pretty big, but compared to the legendary size. Godzilla, he really didn't stack up, and they kind of juiced him up for that fight. And the the line is basically that he's still growing, so they kind of leave it open. But um, I also think it's pretty funny. It's that, amazing how far we've been with filmmaking. Oh it's my like god! Right. How sophisticated we are now. Oh well, I mean, it it's it is kind of like I'm saying, or I feel like as goofy and dumb as this movie is, I feel like. Yeah, if you like adjust for I don't know cultural inflation or whatever <laughs> cultural <it's> like, inflation. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's a much smarter 
like project yeah. i think overall. yeah this the yeah. newer one is like dumber in so many ways than this original film it's it's pretty funny but what what we're talking about here is kong now doing the kind of iconic thing where he's climbing a building with a damsel in his hand but uh, here they're using the diet building which is like the kind of legislature building that we saw them arguing about in about Godzilla in the original film. So it's not very big. It's about the size yeah. of Kong. So he just basically gets up mm-hmm. and is standing on top of it. But um the It is still a cool shot though. It is very cool. And you got the spotlights and everything. We don't really get a lot of like planes flying around him, but the basic idea here is that the fruit from Faro Island that put him to sleep, they've developed it into something called Faro Lacton, which is like a sleeping thing and they have the idea to shoot those like in a missile at him and that's starting to put him to sleep and then we have our guy who was pinch hitting drumming at the beginning now he's using that drumming as a skill to put him to sleep just like the natives did on faro island so this yeah it's really cool and it's really uh, fun like again we're seeing that puppet falling asleep (laughs) but um the the solution and that wasn't scripted the dude just <laughs> the dude, yeah. dude just passed out yeah nice um they're able to save fumiko here and then uh now we have a sleeping godzilla so um i mean i'm sorry a sleeping kong and now how are we gonna get these guys to fight in the finale um we had some string <laughs> well, that we saw earlier obviously we'll tie him with strings to giant balloons and airlift <laughs> him over to godzilla yeah. how else would we do it it's amazing um, it's amazing godzilla is like hanging out by mount fuji and um they just basically drop him off hey now you guys gotta fight <laughs> yeah it's it's pushing it it is this is the part that in in both versions it's very putting your action figures up against each other and i mean the the absurdity the shot sorry i'm definitely i'm I'm gonna make a billion gifts for this but the the shot of godzilla just lifelessly floating along yeah it's great (laughs) oh it's so good okay these both Godzilla and Kong have created such havoc in Japan, and I'm sure lives have been lost. And um, we're still at the point where this advertisement, like the pharmaceuticals, like they're making the decisions basically to to do this. Mm-hmm. Nobody's called them yeah. out on like, hey, you guys are killing people now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But we get this really great sequence, mm-hmm. and I mean, honestly, yeah. if you're if you're looking at like your timestamps of your film, you get you realize, oh, this is almost like a Wheels on Meals Dragons Forever situation where it's like <laughs> the last ten minutes of this movie are just yeah. them fighting. Mm-hmm. Super cool. And it's a great thing because they're on Mount Fuji. There's like a cool establishing shot of a a not snow capped covered Mount Fuji, which is interesting. You you always see Mount Fuji with snow on top. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's uh, he drops them off. Uh, it's kind of the classic drop off away from civilization so that they don't hurt as many people until until they do. <laughs> uh, but now, but yeah, now it's now King Kong's juiced on electricity. So, oh, uh, man. He, well, yeah, he stands a little more of a shot. It's true. There, there's like phases to this fight. It's like it, it is kind of like I said with Wheels on Meals. Kong is kind of like apprehensive because he knows that he got whooped. And then he kind of like hides behind like a cliff. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then um, uh, Godzilla shows up and he like grabs his tail and um, you get them tossing each other around. And then here's another thing where I was saying where they're doing like these 
kind of rocks back and forth. Kong like owns himself a lot at this first segment. Like that was the that was my reference in my nose was that he, he does like a Blanca roll oh, and just smashes oh, yeah. right into a wall and knocks himself out. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely concussed after he like yeah smashes his head on a rock face. Yeah. I I do love like Godzilla um, swinging his tail to hit the rock back at Kong, and I also think it's hilarious where. Anytime Godzilla uses his atomic breath, which should just be like, that's the move. Like, just do it, man. But um, Kong has this, like, it's like a wide shot of him reacting to it where he, like, taps himself like, oh, <laughs> yeah. this is weird. <laughs> like, it happens like three or four times. And they're literally, like, rolling around on the ground and stuff. So, um, yeah, if you're a critic of this stuff, this isn't going to really sway you. <laughs> but right. I feel like, I guess it's almost like wrestling and how, like, okay, if you're into wrestling, you, you like this stuff, you're having a good time. Have fun with it. And yeah, I, totally. I, I think it's a similar thing here. But um, I, I do love at the beginning, before Kong gets juiced up, Godzilla is just, like, destroying him. It's even to the fact where Godzilla, like, standing over him, like, really, dude? Like, this is all you got? <laughs> he just starts piling rocks onto him. It's so fun. But then the... The, the thing that brings Kong back into the fight is a lightning storm nearby. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the lightning strikes King Kong and, and he's able to make this, 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 uh, uh this grab onto Godzilla's leg and, or a uh, tail and swing him around. It's so cool. Actually, so earlier good. there's a moment where, um, uh, Dr. Shigazawa, the, the Sarazawa actor, yeah, he yeah. mentions like a story about like a Swiss postman that got zapped and he basically he was charged like a battery. Right. So they kind of like rationalize that. Yeah. But yeah, seeing Kong like powered up, it's like the first time you see it, you're like, what? What's happening? And then he's like <laughs> mounting him like basically like a, a, a MMA fight, like beating him down like while he's mounting <laughs> him. Yeah. Oh, man. There's. <laughs> And he grabs a tree and starts shoving it down Godzilla's throat. That's like the iconic shot of like, <sighs> yeah, he like shoves it down Godzilla's throat and then Godzilla like blasts it back at him. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so funny. But um, what I was mentioning earlier about them, these guys in the suits doing some crazy stuff, there's a judo throw, like a shoulder toss where uh, Kong like straight up throws Godzilla and what I found out is that Haruo Nakajima is in that suit when he gets tossed. Oh, oh wow. That's insane. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's really, really crazy. So, yeah, they're, they're fighting. It's getting really crazy, and it's just kind of progressing. There's a really funny, like, puppet moment where it's like a far shot of them, like two puppets fighting against each other. And um, they slowly make their way to, like, a cliffside. And this is, like, an area of Japan called um, Atami. And... Um, they end up both like kind of jointly destroying this like Japanese castle. And um, what I found out about that is Atami Castle, it actually, it looks really old, but it isn't. It's like from around like the 50s that it was made. Oh. So that's kind of a fun little side note. But um, yeah, they, they're tussling and basically they shoulder toss each other into the water. So they both fall into the water. And then what you see is Kong rise up out of the water and swims away yeah i honestly i was i was fully expecting to be like well yeah godzilla's our guy so of course Godzilla's yeah totally home, like home field 
advantage yeah. for this one. Yeah. But one of the things I do want to say is that this movie is called King Kong versus Godzilla. King, yeah. King Kong yeah, first, right? He's, and yeah, um, he, he's lead. And that's that's what despite what my Google says every time I try to search it, that does make it easier to search because the new one is called Godzilla versus Kong. Right. And this yeah, is King Kong totally. versus Godzilla. Yep. Even though every time I search King Kong versus Godzilla, you got to go to like page two to get to this <laughs> <know>. movie. <laughs> nice. But, um, and I also feel like, you know, these, uh, like I was saying earlier, I think that King Kong had like the higher standing in the world view and I, I guess this calls to what you're saying, Marty, too. If they were appealing to the West, this would be a way to do it. And I also um, think it's just funny, like that rumor of the two different versions of the film or one. Yeah. Yeah. One is King Kong wins and one is Godzilla mm-hmm. wins. But here you don't even see Godzilla. You just see King yeah. Kong leaving. And mm, excuse me. You're good. They even talk about it where it's like, do we know if Godzilla is even alive? So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's so smart. Yeah, because it's like the honestly, the the reveal of Godzilla has so much power in these movies. And so mm-hmm. it's um, yeah, like why Rob? Why Rob us of that next mm-hmm. time? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's the movie. And I'm I'm so glad you guys had a good time with this. Yeah, because like. Every Dude, time yeah, I bring you these, yeah, I'm just worried. Like, oh, are they not gonna like this or? But, but yeah. it's, it's this, this is gonna be the episode where they finally kick me out. Yeah, Carlos, no, this yeah. is enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, this this movie is it's very fun. And the I do think the um that just that ad, added extra element of the like TV ratings war kind of stuff really does kick it above the the English dub. Um, yeah, totally. which. The English dub is really fun, though. So mm-hmm. it is, you know, it's uh, if if you're into battle dubs, then you definitely seek that out. That one, I think, is also on the Internet Archive. Um, yeah, right. Uh, but is a much lower quality mm-hmm. uh, uh, film stock. So, yep. so um, the thing with this is that they were actually, like I said earlier, they had licensed Kong for like five years or something. They were actually planning a sequel to this. Basically, the next Godzilla film was going to be a con- continuation of this this fight. And for whatever reason, it didn't pan out. But um, if you were confused about whether King Kong won or Godzilla won, basically at the beginning of this next film, um, Kong is like... they. Basically, what happens is like they find Kong. He's like in Africa or something, and um, he ends up like kind of forming a bond with like a Japanese baby. Like there's like a plane crash and a family dies, but he bonds with this baby. And then uh, somebody grabs they they want to get the baby back, so they they find the baby and they go back to Japan. But then Kong follows, but Godzilla is like basically dead. Like they find him like at the bottom of the ocean. And they're oh, like, wow. oh, man, like Godzilla is dead. <laughs> so um, that even though it was never made, that's kind of the answer that they were going for if they were going to develop a sequel. So that's kind of wild. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I dropped a little bit of tidbits to you guys earlier today, but there's like a whole slew of unmade Godzilla films. Yeah. Like, yeah. He There's a there's a great on the yeah. uh, was it Wikizilla. Yeah. Wikizilla.org. Yeah which is a great resource if you're into this stuff at all. 
Yes. Uh, but there's a whole article on there that's just a, a list of a bunch of unmade Godzillas, mm-hmm. and they're bonkers. Yeah. So much <laughs> to the point that we'll, we're going to probably do a special episode talking about some <laughs> yeah, of them. Yeah, it could be really fun because to discuss Because they're very silly. Um, I will say, though, my favorite of them is definitely Batman meets Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. And it it <laughs> is it is the 1960s Adam West Batman. Yeah. And I some am so really, sad that it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, really goofy stuff there. And um, that John... John LeMay that I mentioned earlier, he's got a whole whole book on all of that, too. So if you wanted to read on that, give that dude some money because he put a lot of great work into it. Cool. Well, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Who, who would you want to win? Did did kid, did Kong win and did he win your heart or what's going on? <laughs> dude, I think it would have been cool if there was like a kind of like derpy slip uh, <laughs> where it seems like Kong got out victorious, but then kind of like slips on the beach or something. And <laughs> nice. falls, he slips on a giant banana. <laughs> a gigantic oh, banana. Dude, yes. That's oh, that's how the military <laughs> stops King Kong. <laughs> and then you not only have banana. you not only have a freeze frame, but you have the freeze frame that does the fast spinning 360. <laughs> um, yes. Yes. Amazing. That I would mean, that would if there was a Batman meets King Kong, that's how Batman oh, dude. would defeat King Kong. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> but like Batman Versus Godzilla, and you have the pals and kablams and stuff. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, actually. it would. Uh, when when can we talk about the '60s Batman on Heroes Three? I mean, we're getting <laughs> close with that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, right. what else would you call his fighting style if not an advanced martial art? Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's some commonality. Even okay, so I actually don't want to reveal any all the stuff I've been thinking about, but. Yeah, we could talk about that. There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much for uh, listening to this episode. Uh, this one's a little longer than I was expecting, which is which is totally fine because it's a it's a big goofy movie with Sorry. a very odd with a very odd backstory. So, yeah, um, it's but, close uh, to the runtime of the movie, honestly. Yeah, that's every time we do these long episodes, Callie's like, it's longer than the movie. I'm like, look, it's different. Okay. Yeah. Carlos. <laughs> but thank you so much for checking out our show. Uh, if you liked it, then you'll lose a review on Apple Podcasts or uh, maybe Spotify. I actually don't know if they ever did that or not. But I wait, wait. You can leave us a review. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at Here is the Number Three Podcast on all three of them. And you can shoot us an email, heroes3podcast at gmail.com. Who did you so, want to win between this? Yeah, who'd you want to win between monsters? them? Who'd, what what 60s television icon would you like to see fight Godzilla? Oh, I love that. Uh, let, us, let us know. Uh, and with that, I think we should look into our training for next week. So what would that be, Carlos? Okay. So, well, I mean, I guess I got to... I got to ask you guys, I, I, I still want to have fun in the Showa era. There's a lot of stupid stuff going on, but <laughs> it's pretty good. I, I don't think we're going to get into like the, the as iconic. I mean, in a way it is, but um, I, I do want to do Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Are you guys down for that? Is that I would okay? love to do oh, Godzilla versus yeah, Mechagodzilla. All right. So, um, yeah, I, I love Godzilla. I also love robots. So... We're gonna get both. <laughs> yeah, we've had a a, a, la- a surprising lack of robots on this Dude, show very for, true. for how much how much you like Mecha. So yeah, 
I, I don't I don't I don't know. But yeah, I'll be happy happy to talk about this movie. There's some really fun stuff in it and um I think it kind of builds off of what we got here in a way. That's fun and we get to talk about some fun stuff. So yeah, next next episode we will do uh Yeah Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. 1974's Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. So until then, I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Remember your training. Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network.